Greetings and welcome back to the latest edition of St. Dominic's Weekly. I'm your host, Father Isaiah Mary Milano. Welcome back. With me is the priest whose very beard has sentience, our pastor, <laughs> Father Michael Hurley. How are you doing today, Father Michael? It's still red. It's still red. Although, yeah. although, although it's, it is, it is, it is the little signs of, of the, the dustiness of, of light, the, the, the grain is happy. Someone told me early on that redheads never go gray, and I, I think I was lied to. Probably because doesn't Papa Hurley isn't he a, has a little bit of gray within well, his heritage? Oh yeah, yeah. There, there's some gray with Papa Hurley. There's, there's, there's not much there. There hair there. Well, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that part, but, but he had there red is hair there. He had a red beard though. I, you know, you see old pictures of Papa Hurley, and he's got the he's and my brothers too who uh, don't have necessarily the, the red hair, but he got red red highlights. But but enough about the the, the Barbarossa. What are we talking about this week? Well, this week what I was thinking about is going back to the color red or specifically and related to it, the color orange. Oh, that's that's true. In fact, my I saw my, okay. I was with my niece. I saw my niece last week. And I asked her um, after mass because she's she's redheaded, a she's little little uh, rose. I said, you have red hair. I said, what color do, do I have? And she said, orange. Orange. <laughs> I said, what color do you have? She said, red. My hair is orange. It's actually gotten darker as I've gotten older, but orange. Orange and orange. black. Orange and black. Are we Today. talking about the Giants? Uh, we're not talking about the Giants as such. Let's not talk about something so sad, but rather, I would rather talk about something that's actually a lot of joy causes in our country. Actually, the, the story of Halloween. So let's Ooh, talk about that today. Halloween. Ghosts and witches and saints, oh my, right? So I, I was just thinking like Father Michael, I mean, just kind of uh, just thinking about Halloween, it's coming up. I mean, and especially in some Catholic circles, Halloween's kind of a controversial thing. So, I mean, so I'm, but, but um, so where did, you know, Halloween even come from? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's uh, I think, certainly in my experience, surprisingly sometimes, a little bit divisive on just even the practices. So, uh, it's a time of year when I'll get from parents who are perhaps usually expressing some concern about, you know, how they should celebrate or Catholics should think about this right. quote unquote pagan holiday. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because you do you do research uh, and you actually look and, and kind of think about it. And uh, Halloween is really not a pagan holiday no, at, all. at all. It's it's the frankly the result of a a medieval pope and, and Catholic devotion and the great sensibility of the communion of saints. So just to maybe kind of lay out for a moment, just kind of sketch uh, the idea of Halloween. Now, there certainly are, um, if you will, pre-Halloween pagan, if you will, or practices oh, sure, or sure. kind of like cultural kind of expressions. Um, so often, if you, if you do a quick internet search on uh -huh. origins of Halloween, yeah. you find the Celts, right? Uh-huh, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> and the idea that they're the, um, uh, uh, Samhain is the, the god of the dead, and for uh, at least that culture at that time, we're talking about, you know, a thousand years before Christ, uh, and you're talking about the uh, celebration of the calendar, October right. 31st, would have been New Year's Eve. Right? Ah, New Year's Eve. Yeah, okay. so what, what do we do on New Year's Eve? Oh, we have a kind of celebration at the end of the new year, and especially in those uh, Celtic uh, cultures and those formed by them, uh, the idea that there was a kind of meditation on on death, on the afterlife, on the last things. We would call it the fancy word for that is um, eschatology, the final, uh, the final the things. Final things. Our, yeah, the, the final things. So you're on the last day of the year, you're kind of given to thinking about what the last days of our life, or at least existence, is all about. And so there were certain practices and rituals that were often, as much, many um, kind of ancient pagan cultures were bloody 
and violent and and certainly uh, not uh, compatible with the Christian faith at all. And this this went on, as I said, uh, you know, through those or those uh, years of, of kind of Celtic culture. But the the, the basic um, idea, though, is when when basically Rome comes in and, and uh, asserts uh, kind of Roman culture and practice mm-hmm. in the first century before Christ and, and even after Christ. Although I will say, Romans never conquered Ireland or Scotland formally. That's true. Hadrian's Wall. Freedom, Hadrian's baby. Wall. Freedom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they do that, 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 that culture came in and, and, and that was gone. The whole pagan practice of, of right. kind of the, the New Year's Eve, the, the change in the calendar and stuff, that, that, was, that was dissipated and, and done with uh, until you get all, you know, 700 years later in the, right. in the, in the uh, right. mid-8th century when you have uh, this idea of how we are connected as uh, the people of God, not just horizontally, you know, those who live in the same area or come to worship, but if you will, vertically through time and, and okay. space. And if you think about Christianity, is a religion which is uh, persecuted at the outset, right? Right, right, right? And so the first heroes, if you will, or saints, are those who give their life. They're martyrs. And where are the first masses being celebrated? But in the catacombs, in on the graves of. Of our brothers and sisters have gone before us. Exactly. So you already have it. You can see already you know, Halloween themes. There, there's this real connection with the dead, not in a kind of um, spooky or macabre way, but in a way that we treasure their uh, living presence. As, as Christ says, that God is the God of the living. So those who have died in Christ are not dead. They are. Right, they are exactly. really living. And so, how do we celebrate these living uh, presences in our lives? The, these saints. Uh, and so the. The what was the old Roman Pantheon, which uh, I actually had the privilege a couple of years ago to, to visit, just one of the wonders of the world in terms of its engineering, but uh, dedicated uh, to Mary and all the saints. All the, the Roman gods were replaced with the heroes and the martyrs Precisely, yeah. of the saints. So there's mm-hmm. this dedication day that happens. But what happens is because there are so many martyrs and heroes as time goes on. Even until today, right? Exactly. There's, there's what, 365 days of the year. You can't celebrate a saint necessarily every day and so what you have is the need to not necessarily forget or at least memorialize all the saints even right. if we only celebrate literally you know a handful of them throughout the year and so a day commemorating all those saints that we can't right. mention especially those local ones and per- perhaps even our own yeah. uh people that we have encountered and known in life who have lived heroic witness in life who will never be formally declared a saint or recognized yeah. in that way and so this all saints day came with the dedication of the pantheon in the way and then and then a little bit later on i think it was gregory the third in the 700s made it um transferred it to to uh november 1st and then right. and then ultimately gregory uh the fourth about 100 years later said all the church is celebrated so in the 800s you have the feast of all saints day established for the universal church and whenever you have feasting it's not like I think we today where it was just like it's you know in a kind of modern society you, you, uh, a celebration is you know eight hours and then it's over right, right or it's right, kind right. of thing there's there's a whole preparation for it and so around all the great uh, Christian feasts are vigils days exactly, uh, exactly. Uh, eve days mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. where you where you where you have certain traditions that that come around so you have like for instance uh, great traditions around christmas eve the mass exactly. itself mm-hmm. the liturgies mm-hmm. have particular prayers there are certain sometimes foods that that are served that 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 are kind of prepare us for the actual day of, of christ's birth same too with um I think about Easter. In fact, the the mother of all vigils, as it Easter says, Easter vigil, the, the, the great event. Yeah. Exactly right yeah. is actually the vigil day of, of Christ's uh, resurrection. Of these ways, so 
when you have the establishment of All Saints Day, and, and exactly. the other word for another word for saint, kind of in the old English, is is uh, ha- hallows, hallows, right? Yeah. So you say the Our Father, and there was a hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name, right? So it's a holy. It means holy. So where you celebrate all those who are holy, all those heroes who are holy, uh, the All Hallows Day was the ah. first, and so then when you have, you've got the vigil or the eve becomes All Hallows Eve. Or shortened. Once again, we go back to to, to the, um, the Scottish influence of the British. And it's a Halloween is the kind of All Hallows Eve is kind of a shortness, kind of a foreshortening of the of the end. So Halloween is the it, once again we're talking about 800 years after Christ. Mm-hmm. This uh, kind of preparation day or Eve of celebrating all the heroes, all the all the Hallows, all the saints that that have gone uh, before us. So I, when people say it has pagan background, I think well certainly it's in terms of the human instinct to think about uh, the end of our life or the last things. That's of course every ubiquitous in every culture, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that particular day has the pagan roots any more than you know. I thought if I was right. thinking of this. I, when I was um, on a mission trip, one in Oaxaca, I, I saw one of the original uh, games, uh, ball games by the by, by oh, the, yes. uh, the Aztec. Mm-hmm. You know what it was? It was a, it was played with it with a with a with a big rubber ball uh-huh. on a court. And the idea, as much as they can discern, is you'd have a team and you'd pass this ball between players and then ultimately put it through a hoop that was elevated above the ground, made out of rocks. Aztec basketball? Exactly. Now, no one, <laughs> no one would claim the American sport, the old Naismith. Mesoamerica Warriors. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The Warriors, exactly. <laughs> the original Warriors, right? So, so no, I mean, it, it would be that to, to claim that this Celtic pagan festival is the origin and roots of Halloween, it would be, say, this Mesoamerican ball game is really the, the origins of, of Naismith and his peach basket. I, I mean, there's... <laughs> <laughs> certainly there's a coincidental relationship sure certainly the idea of, of you know the instinct to, for guys to get around and, and throw a ball through a hoop might <laughs> might have a certain sporting you know instinct but but the fact that one is actually directly related to another i mean celtic culture right, right, right. as in the, that pagan expression was dead and gone and unknown mm-hmm. uh, to medieval uh, europe by uh, the ninth century and ninth century so so in other words we don't have to fear but but then but then the question is okay how do we how does it get to you know, today, yeah, exactly. how, how, so, how, does, how does it get to to dressing up and yeah? I mean, that's my M&Ms. next question. So, I mean, like, so you're saying that, like, as a church, our tradition has kind of uh, taken Halloween as the vigil of All Saints Day. So that's why we have these particular uh, kind of celebrations, but particular food, particular customs that are only kind of appropriate for that evening or the day of, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, so what, let's talk about some of those customs. I mean, like, well, at least in America and all that, we have the cost, the 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 customs of um, wearing costumes, going around and getting candy, trick and treat, and all that stuff. I mean, I mean, so when you were growing up, I mean, you did the Halloween thing, right, with costumes and all that, right? Yeah, no, we 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 we, we certainly, uh, you know, you <laughs> went went around and did trick or treat. I think certainly there were, um, especially at the time you're talking about. 25, 30 years ago, or more than that now. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say the time frame necessarily, but uh, you, you. So yeah, last yeah, year? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, when you wear the habit, you don't need to dress up. That's true. In <laughs> fact, when I'm going over to the Halloween party over at Priory West later this week, I yeah. mean, I told everybody that I was going to be dressed like a layman. So, oh, nice. so that's yeah. going to be wonderful. I mean, everybody was uh, lending me their ties. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. 
That's right. Religious put on ties for Halloween. You just I think so. Something not. I, I think like so. that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have to go 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 to Goodwill and buy myself a shirt. Yeah, so. no, no, no. So I think dr- dressing up has to do with uh, once again we we have a cluster day. So you got you got the all the saints and you have the preparation for that uh, Halloween. But but uh, along with that. Then you have this idea of the community. That once again, the verticality of the communion yeah. saints. You've got those in in heaven. But for us as Catholics, we believe that at the end of our earthly life, we may not be in a position to fully come into the presence of the Almighty, All Holy, Perfect God of Love, the love of uh, the God who is perfectly without any sense of darkness or any sense of selfishness, just pure radiating love. And at the end of our lives, sometimes we're not in a position to receive that, much like if you come out of the of a darkened place, like a, perhaps a movie theater or something comes uh, to mind, and you're in the brilliance of the sun, your eyes are a little blinking. And so this yeah, is the idea, it's the idea of purgatory, the idea that even at the end of our earthly life, that there might still be a kind of journey that we need to, 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 to undergo in a kind of a process of purification. But... But since death is not the last word for those uh, who believe in Christ, that there's a real connection that we have. And so our prayers and all that we uh, might offer to God in terms of requesting makes a difference for those who have gone before us. And so especially around monastic orders, about 150 Mm -hmm. years after the establishment of November 1st as All Saints Day, the next day... Uh, November 2nd uh, was enshrined as All Souls Day. That is to remember all of our faithful departed, particularly those who are still on journey, those who are still in need of of that sense of uh, purification from any uh, forms or traces of of selfishness or the inclination towards self and not openness to God, and that by our prayers and our remembrances uh, that we could actually help them uh, to continue their journey, to give them that spiritual support so that when they come into the fullness of God's glory, right. they can help us in our, our journey. journey. And so there's this kind of reciprocation, this kind of dynamic uh, exchange of, of, of spiritual goods in our lives. Yeah, it's, that's a, you know, especially when you said that you, you when you use the word verticality, that yeah. actually really brings about the entire, the, the, the truest universality of the church, not only like, kind of locally san francisco and rome and australia but like but um but in a very real way if i can use these terms the church militant prays to the church triumphant for the sake of the church suffering right so like so we have this kind of these this kind of kind of liturgical trilogy of halloween and all saints and all souls day uh where we're um praying for praying to our brothers and sisters who have a who are seeing are witnessing the beta vision for our brothers and sisters who are still in purgatory is that what you're saying? Exactly, yeah. So in order that we ourselves uh, are um, encouraged in our journey towards Christ. Yeah, we're all, in a sense, that there's this, uh, this sense that you mentioned the church militant, and that might not be an expression people are familiar with, but it's it's the idea that there is, as St. Paul says, this kind of struggle, this kind of battle, not just with flesh and blood, with principalities and powers. And so militant has that, that sense of marshalling our efforts, that we have to have uh, spiritual uh, forces and weaponry. And so there's a sense in which we're, we're engaged in this great kind of battle or struggle or this kind of striving and that uh, the, the church uh, suffering is that church uh, not not suffering necessarily uh, in a negative way but a kind of purification process if you're right. if you're if you're if you're in purgatory it's just the antechamber to heaven like the, 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 right that the, exactly. the purgatory train <laughs> exactly always lands in heaven always it finds its, its destination in heaven so there's a sense of purification and and then ultimately the church uh, triumphant the church in, in glory so these days really connect us to those who have gone before us from 
remind us of that. And uh, when the church began to celebrate this All Souls Day uh, on November 2nd, as I said, brought about by uh, the Benedictines at Cluny right. uh, in, um, around the year 1000, um, it kind of gave a, a sense of connectivity uh, to the fullness of, of, of the church. And uh, yet there's even development from that because uh, about, what, a couple hundred years later after that, so now you're talking now you 13, 1400s, what's happening in medieval Europe? But you have um, the the real scourge of the bubonic plague, the Black right. Death, and so you have half of, or almost half of, uh, the population That's wiped true. out. And so if you're if you're living literally in fear that you might uh, become infected or some kind of illness, the idea of preparing your own soul and the idea of death and what you might do to uh, to avoid uh, catching the plague was very much uh, yeah. a reality and a clear and present kind of concern for you and so there were these rituals around these days of saints mm-hmm. and souls where folks would would dress up in this kind of dance of death it was kind of stylized oh that's right where mm-hmm. you, you'd have um, you'd have the kind of the leader dressed up as kind of a, as death itself kind of the skeleton and and be leading and here's the thing death is the great equalizer so it doesn't right. matter your position we're all powers, facing yeah exactly <laughs> we're all we're all facing death it's at the end death and taxes right yeah death and taxes <laughs> and so this this kind of this this, this ritual especially french uh, as french influences uh where they do this kind of dance this kind of ritual reminding uh, those certainly uh everyone but certainly those especially at uh, positions of leadership and power that death comes for us all and that in a sense we need to re- by remembering death by reflecting on death in a very visceral way of actually dressing up in in kind of images of yeah. of, of of death and and different um, positions and states in life in terms of being you know a prince or a princess or something yeah. that uh, death comes for us all it, it helps us to live now in other words the Catholic perspective on thinking about death is not a uh, kind of uh, to give into like despair or kind of. Uh, dark and ghoulish thoughts. Right, right, right. But knowing that there is, if you will, a kind of timeline that, yeah. that, that death will come for us all, it helps us to live now. Yeah. It helps us to say, okay, what's really important? It helps us to give us perspective, right, on that way. And so these dances and dressing up became a common feature of uh, in acting or incarnating, if you will, that idea that uh, death is a reality of life and that reflecting on death actually helps us to live right here. Now, almost like uh, there's that great tradition of the um, the Desert Fathers or those who live in the kind of solitary monastic life of having a skull uh, right, uh, on their right. desk, right, to remember the... Yeah, there's that beautiful uh, painting of, I think it's a Caravaggio of St. Jerome with a skull on his desk, right? You're so. trying to get me to talk about Caravaggio and you know my weakness. I'm not going to comment <laughs> yeah, <no>. on that. <laughs> well, you no, probably saw all right. of these you're, live you're, anyway. Yeah, exactly. No, you're, you're right. You're right. You've got that sense of, of St. Jerome, the great scripture uh, translator and scholar, uh, and on his desk along with the scripture is this reminiscent of, of being able to be fully present in the moment because, in a sense, uh, death is out there for yeah. us. I mean, we need to, in a sense, squeeze every moment uh, of the gift of time that God has given us because it's, it's, it's precious. It's certainly worth living. Uh, but death gives us that perspective that we're yeah. ultimately meant for e- eternal life. So, so you've got. So now you've got. What you've got to kind of add this up. You've got celebration to saints. Right. You've got people dressing up in different costumes in order to reflect 
on on death in that way. And then you've got a couple other uh, traditions that kind of come in from from different ways. It's, it's thought that maybe um, the Irish, as as are one, thinking that you were uh, leaving out a part of those who needed prayers, that maybe those who are cursed or, or damned might wreak mischief. And so there was a kind of a banging of pots and different kind of expressions there. Right, right. But you also had you were talking about foods. You had um, in order to to um, pray for those who like gone candies. before. Yeah, yeah. You had can like little sweets that were baked on the 31st in order to serve on the second, right? So you'd right. have like a, mm-hmm. a literal baking and kind of cooling off period, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. so what began to develop is you'd have um, both children and adults going kind of going house to house uh, in different practices, knocking on the door and basically not trick or treat, but, yeah. but, but, but prayers. This, this yeah. is just saying, uh, you know, uh, I'll pray for your deceased if you give a token of the sweet that you're in a sense. So baking it's a prayer. And there. Say it. So it's a prayer and sweet. Yeah. Prayer and sweet. I like oh, it. Prayer okay. and sweet. Is, uh, is that, is that, is that, should we go out and try to pray and sweet? Um, you know, I honestly don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think people look at it as well. First of all, we, if we if we come in in, our in habits, full habit, in full that, habits, that, yeah. that, the other kind of thing is caution. We, we, we have to go ties. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We don't have ties, so we're obviously uh, we're obviously religious, dressed like claimants. So, so. <laughs> exactly. So you're saying that, like, so on Halloween, when yeah. you would see so many people on the streets or wherever, they're dressed like ghouls and ri- witches and yeah. ghosts and all that. That that's actually kind of a manifestation of like of people's fear of death and that's a way that we can actually christianize yeah so you can go a couple ways i, th- I think uh, there's no doubt i'm not trying to, to i don't think we, we could argue that uh, that the current contemporary expression of halloween uh is this kind of uh, i don't think there's a cultural idea that we're reflecting on death in a kind of positive way. i think it's just kind of a release you do okay. kind of crazy kind of things and i actually think that part of that might have to do with the fact that uh, the United States, when these, especially Halloween, is a very distinctively United States it's a kind very of ph- American thing. <laughs> phenomenon. So you basically got the melding of uh, of when the immigrants kind of come over from Ireland and France, mm-hmm. and so we're a melting pot, if you will, as we all know. Uh, some of these traditions were, were brought uh, together: the the French dressing up, the kind right. of and the, the the Irish and other European kind of baking of different foods, the the pray and sweet kind of thing. Those kind of come come together, or even I should mention the the jack o' lantern, right? So you're if you if you're wandering around in the dark, you need some kind of luminary, some source of light and so what do you do you of course you hollow out a turnip right <laughs> put a source <laughs> really? of light in it yeah and, and that's where that's where the jack-o'-lantern kind of came ah. as, as as a kind of very convenient practical or some kind of other gourd you got some, uh, kind of a giving giving light uh, in that way is actually it's the way to light the way for um uh, kind of your 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 sweeter prey kind of endeavors uh and there's certainly as the irish are want to do a number of stories about uh kind of fables around around uh, some uh, character named jack who is trying to uh escape the wiles of the of the devil and, and things like that. So there's some some folklore around that as well. But uh, the the point is, I think that the modern express or the contemporary expression of of Halloween perhaps was unmoored from its Catholic traditions because in the United States the Catholic experience for many years was perhaps not to embrace the fullness of the rituals brought from the yeah, old country sure. in order to greater assimilate into, if you like will... Like accommodation or just shying away from... Exactly. Okay. So, so in other words, for, 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 for those uh, Protestants, and remember, the Puritans who came over were not just Protestant. They, were, they didn't think the Protestantism that was being practiced was pure enough, right? So you right. have this kind of very... Um, uh, kind of Protestant Protestantism, if you will, and mm-hmm. it was very. I mean, it was not that you couldn't hold office as a, as, as a Catholic when you came to this country. This is why sure. Maryland, as a state, was founded as a refuge, Catholic Mary's refuge. land, Mary's yeah. land, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think you have a sense of 
these Catholic rituals or traditions, these Protestants look and then say, oh, these are, these are pagan rituals. Not really right. deep in the Catholic experience is these kind of feasts and rituals. Same with Mardi Gras, right? You think of Mardi Gras. Right, right. Mardi, Mardi Gras, Gras is that idea that you're preparing for Lent, Fat Tuesday, right? Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras. Yeah. <laughs> Where you, you, and you kind of, you're saying, you're saying, or Carnival, eh? Yeah. Saying goodbye to meat, literally in Latin. Bye bye meat. <laughs> you yeah. know, and the fasting, it's this kind of. See in six weeks. This exactly. It's this, it's this festival. Very Catholic, but when Catholics weren't comfortable perhaps expressing this as a way to kind of accommodate into local culture, what the what the Protestants fear, that is the paganization or secularization of the holiday, actually happened. Right. In other words, it was kind of, if you if you will, taken over by a, a more consumerism kind of um, mentality. People certainly would even think that, you know, Christmas and, and Easter kind of are tending this way uh, ourselves, even in our culture now. And so make no mistake that the kind of darker side of Halloween uh, that exists is, is, is out there yeah. for, for, for sure. And so you certainly... I often, you know, we can both acknowledge the Catholic roots of Halloween, but then you have to be sensible as parents, or even, even, I mean, people claiming that they're kind of um, hijacked, if you will, by kind of contemporary paganism, which is... but never paganism is like 150 years old, right? It's it's right, it's, yeah. it's kind of romantic and it has ideas. I mean, the Church of Satan. That's true. Two Just miles away. Yep, yeah. two, two miles away from us, right? Yeah. And uh, and yet, um, and so there's this this way in which they kind of I think have taken Halloween as appropriate for there in the same way like the pentagram, right? Right. The pentagram is that five pointed star that's often associated with devil worship. Well, the five pointed star is nothing to do with the, the devil in terms of its origin. It has to do with the five wounds of Christ. Right, exactly. Right? So they take a Christian yeah. symbol, they kind of romanticize and kind of get twisted on its head, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the, the devil is not uh, a liar, but a half-truther, yeah. right? <laughs> in that yeah, sense. Yeah, he's not, no way original, but <laughs> Yeah, always, exactly. He kind yeah. of takes, takes what is holy and tries to subvert it, turn it on its head. So I think there's a way in which... Um, there have been. There's certainly ways in which culture has subverted the origins of of Halloween, and and it can be a, a great day of 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 darkness and openness to dark realities, which are real. We have to acknowledge that. And so, being sensible about that is is uh, laudable. But it's the reason why here at Saint Dominic's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're going to have mass on Halloween. Right. Exactly. And so I, I was just going to ask yeah. you, like, I, for us as Catholics and uh, Christian Catholics, I mean, to re- reclaim Halloween in a very Catholic way. I mean, what is the mass schedule? for Halloween and All Saints and All Souls, all that. It's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful three days. But. It's it's a robust liturgy. It's a robust <laughs> liturgy. So so we have our, our normal masses every six o'clock and eight o'clock in the morning. Six thirty, I'm sorry, six thirty AM at eight o'clock I don't know mass schedule. Um but then and, you, and the fi- pastor here? I know <laughs> five thirty in the evening. But but in addition there is a, a special evening mass on All Hallows Eve on on uh, Halloween. Uh, at 7.30, especially looking to um, perhaps promote that idea that certainly where there might be opportunities for making mischief or, or kind of like a parties that we're going to be praying for the city. We're going to be praying for uh, protection and guidance in God's, uh, you know, presence in our lives and strength and especially to prepare our hearts to be able to enter into the reality of, if you will, as the mm. verticality of our faith that connects us, not just to those we're celebrating with here in San Francisco or even worldwide, but through time and history, we're joining with all of 
the Milanos, right? Or all yeah, exactly. the Hurleys, all, all of those Catholics that have gone before us as saints and heroes and our own family members who have gone before us in these successive days. And so 7.30 on, on Halloween. And then the next day, all uh, Saints Day, which is a holy day of obligation. And some people are like, obligation? What are you talking? I say, think of it as an invitation, right? Exactly. Holy day of invitation. Of course, we, we have to go. But in a sense, that invita- that obligation is based on that family relationship we have with God. He said, this, it's worthy to think about those who have gone before us and to ask for their help. And so we've got Masses 6.30 and 8 once again, but then we have a, a, a 9 a.m. Mass. Um, exactly. And getting yeah. some of the uh, our Catholic schools involved uh, as well. And then the, the 5.30 Mass. And then on, on, on the uh, 2nd, the Thursday, November 2nd, we have the normal schedule, 6.30, got that, 8, got that, 5.30, check. Got that. Um, but then the, the beautiful Requiem Mass, which has a, a, a Sir Simon Barry and our, our, our choir with a, a full orchestra, uh, William Hawley's uh, setting of it, and it's, it's, um, it's the full uh, liturgical uh, expression of how we commemorate our souls that have gone before us. We, in a special way here at St. Dominic, remember those who have been buried from here and parishioners and relatives of parishioners who have passed away and buried in our columbarium. But the idea then is that we gather as a community to celebrate and worship God, once again, not as individuals, but as a community united uh, together in the body of Christ. Yeah, what a wonderful week that we have ahead. So we're near the end of our time. So, so Father Michael, take us out. Well, I well actually I got a question for you. Do you mind Uh-oh. a question? Do you mind this? I, I this is not on the bog. script. Not on the script. <laughs> well, not that there's much of a script. What script? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> what are all these notes? I, I mean, I'm looking at the script. It says Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what it. No, and I spelled it wrong with a comma in the middle of it, or an apostrophe. Yeah. <laughs> no, but any any uh, I, I'm interested about about uh, favorite candies on Halloween. Favorite candies on yeah, Halloween. Yeah, I, I want to. I want to know the insight. Well, well yeah, I mean, we take this offline, but no, give me some favorite candies. No, I mean, for me, it's like I, I mean, like as you said before, I mean, like Halloween has particular candies that come only once a year. Yeah. I mean, for me, I've yeah. always had this thing with um, where I would only eat uh, um, candy corn. Oh, yeah, candy corn guy. Yeah, and I just remember growing up, I would actually try to nibble on it like via color. Oh you know, yeah. To make sure I had just the white, just the orange, just a just the yellow, and. As silly as it sounds, but <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you know? very ordered, very. Yeah. it kind of shows that you you have that very um, organized sort of person. I mean, you just look at the uh, you're this is <laughs> this is why your office probably made better than mine for the <laughs> <laughs> a little more organized. So even you eat candy in an organized fashion. Well, I mean, only when it comes to candy corn because it just begs to be eaten in sections. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember in terms of doing trick or treating, how you, you know, so you go trick or treating, you go to like, I don't know a cowboy or I, I like that, like, you know, you like the ghost or something, or I, I yeah. went as a detective and just made putting on kind of a woolly kind of vest or something with 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 one of those hat, one of those. Oh, kind that's of hilarious! Hats. Yeah, you keep it simple when it came to costuming. It's yeah. all about the candy, right? But but we would gather candy, my, my brother and sister and I. But then we would we would like you know you get your whole loot. And you spread it out, and then you trade. For me, the, the best trade. part of Halloween was trading candy at the end, at the end, at the end, the end, at the end okay. of the night. So, in order to offload, you know, things like you know almond joys and mounds, and just no things that are no good, not even. Worth oh, it. you're not a almond joy. No, because no. okay. Father Gustin told me he three musketeers is his favorite. Yeah, that spongy one. Yeah, what yeah. a waste. <laughs> 
chocolate and just like air. You might as well be. Come on, you give me a little car, at least a Milky Way okay. or a Snickers. Yeah. Any, anyway, I'll take so. your. I'll take. I'm, I'll take your dark mo- uh, three musketeers for you. I mean, if it if it makes you feel better. I mean, I'll sacrifice of my own and just give you. And you can give me all the dark mo- three musketeers if you want. Oh, you're the dark. So milk or dark? Well, I'm a more of a dark chocolate oh, man yeah, myself. Sure, sure. So yeah. We, we, so, we you know, that. I mean, um, I like to kid myself saying it's more healthy. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I think more of it. There you go. <laughs> Greater cow cow, less less sugar <laughs> needed, right? <laughs> Therefore, it's more healthy. <laughs> no, but cer- certainly as uh, perhaps as uh, you have your own um, celebrations and sweets, hopefully for protection and care and, and yeah, safety and, and, and fun in, in every way. Um, so good. Well, we got we got the curveball in there. There, the candy, the candy, the candy curveball. I was ball. expecting something a lot more dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think we would, we would have been good trick or treat partners because uh, you you could have taken the ones that we could have, we would have been trading on. on oh, definitely, yeah, on, yeah. On, on you can give me all the dum dums you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can. Oh, yeah, so. you can have all the yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can give me all the, all the all the darker kind of stuff. Very good. So, uh, I think that, is that are we good? I think we're good. All right. So, I once again. Uh, um, appreciate you listening and, and certainly review and rate and, and spread the word about uh, the podcast if you're enjoying it. May this week, as every week, truly be a week to experience the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may you and your loved ones radiate the joy of the gospel here in the heart of the city. Amen. Amen. <laughs>